Hello, everyone. Welcome to Second Wife Life Podcast. I am your host, Carly Tate Williams. I have been a mom since 2015 and a bonus mom and second wife since 2019. This podcast will provide my personal experience with blended family and co-parenting struggles, encouragement that you are not alone, and plenty of laughs along the way. Thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. Hello, I'm back again. That reminds me of the hangover, the scene where they're in the car and they're driving, all of them are together, and the guy goes, we are back, we are back. Okay, so it's safe to say, I don't know what to tell you to expect with the frequency of episodes at this point. Life just keeps throwing us curveballs and that's okay. I don't do this as a career or get paid in any type of way, yet if you want to sponsor me, send me a message. I do it because I enjoy it and love connecting with other stepmoms, other second wives, and other bio moms as well. So I'd say the first week of July, my husband and I decided it was time to list our house for sale. When we bought it in 2020, it was super outdated besides the kitchen and the master bathroom and our closet. We replaced all of the floors, all the carpet, we painted, uh, just random updates, worked on the yard, etc. We also really wanted a fifth bedroom because we added another child since the time we moved into our other house. Well, our house sold super quick, less than a week, which I'm super thankful for, but that really put the pressure on us to find a new house and fast. Because when you have four children, temporary housing isn't exactly easy to find or cheap. Thankfully, my mom let us stay with her for almost a month and saved us a few thousand dollars. But mid-July, which is the anniversary of losing my dad, I wanted to do an episode solely on grief. I recorded almost the whole thing and started editing it, but it was really hard. And my plan was to release it on the day of his heavenly anniversary, but I couldn't make myself sit down and finish it or finish editing it and release the episode. I saved it, of course, so when I feel up to it, I'll absolutely release it. But all in all, our lives have been a whirlwind since July, but we're in our new home for a little over a week now, and I finally feel settled in. So I wanted to jump back into this space and make some content. I don't have one specific topic to discuss today, just a couple different things that have been on my mind. So first off, I do want to acknowledge that I have connected with numerous bonus moms from this platform. But the thing that I believe sets this podcast apart is the fact that I'm also a bio mom whose son has a living girlfriend who refers to herself as his bonus mom. I feel privileged isn't the right word. Neither is humbled. Appreciative? I'm appreciative that I'm able to feel what it's like to be on both sides. It's caused me to pause in many scenarios and reflect on how I'd feel in the other person's shoes. In our world lately, our ease of co-parenting has flopped. We have one household we are actually able to co-parent with, and the other house is absolutely a parallel parenting situation. If you're in the world of parallel parenting, as the bio or the bonus mom, it's tough. And if you aren't familiar with what parallel parenting is, it's basically... The parents can't communicate effectively and there is no point in communicating about issues pertaining to the child, so you just keep it separate. No matter what, 
situation you're in, you can't worry about like what the other parent is doing in the home or how they're parenting or what they let the child do. But at least in co-parenting situations, you can discuss issues or problems that the child is having and you can work together to solve those. In a parallel parenting situation, you simply cannot discuss issues and come to a conclusion together because the communication is not effective and you're not a team. So that's that's parallel parent parenting in a nutshell. So why is it uncomfortable? It's uncomfortable because the older my son gets, the more aware he becomes. And I don't ever want him to feel uncomfortable. Kids are smart. And when they grow up, you want them to reflect back on your behavior and have peace that they knew your support never wavered. And you are the same person then that you are now. Once you're out of all the drama, when those kids look back, it's going to be with an adult perspective, not with the mind that they have now as a child. One thing I constantly have to remind myself of is that you cannot defend yourself in a room that you weren't in, but your actions can, your consistency can, your character day in and day out can and will defend you. My mom says she's sorry she yelled so much when we were kids. I told her, I remember you yelling, but I'm positive it's because we weren't listening, so I'm sure we deserved whatever you were yelling about. And I feel my mom is one of the best moms in the world. She is self-aware. She sees her faults. But as her kid, you don't. You don't see their faults. And why is that? It's because I trust my mom. She built the solid foundation. And sure, we all yell too much some days. Your character may try to be diminished by someone else. But a lifelong consistent pattern of actions outweighs that. A few sprinkled conversations of hate will not be what your kid looks back on at least not for you. It will affect the other party. One of the things that they hammer home when you get divorced and have to take that parenting class is not to talk bad about the other parent because number one, it hurts the child. Number one, it hurts the child. And number two, they're going to grow to resent you, the person who is talking bad about someone. One of my favorite stepmom podcasts, as I'm sure it's everyone's or one of everyone's favorite stepmom podcasts, is Jamie Scrimger. But as she says, play the long game. So that's what I'm trying to do. There was a conversation with my son recently, and there were so many things I could have responded to his question with, but I just sat there and I paused. Because everything I wanted to say is not for kids' ears. It's not for a kid's brain, and it's definitely not a kid's problem. So you know what I said? All I said back to his question was, yeah, bud, being an adult is pretty complicated sometimes. And you know what my son said? Nothing. He shrugged and went on. Went on with his life. Didn't give it another thought. I think we overcomplicate things sometimes. They are just kids. They don't need a full-blown explanation sometimes, and they wouldn't understand it if we gave it to them. Especially about petty manners. Giving a short and nondescript answer is sometimes just what they need. I do want to talk more about pausing. Power in the pause. My dear friend Shelby reminds me of this often, and it is so vividly clear once you start practicing a pause how much it's needed and the difference that it makes in your response. Now, Shelby isn't a stepmom. She's not a second wife. She's a friend of mine with a precious son and a husband of over 10 years. But she's been through the ringer when it comes to family issues, and she's been one of my greatest sounding boards through the years. 
the older I get, and we talk about this too, so I should say the older we get, we realize how rare it is for people to truly be self-aware. It's like a, a precious gift that God holds ransom. I really pray some people start praying for themselves to be more self-aware, and I also really pray God gives it to them. But anyways, there is so much power in pausing before we respond. And this isn't any avenue in life where there is conflict or could be conflict. Pausing before you answer or pausing before you initiate a conversation when there are loaded emotions will make all the difference in what you choose to say and how you say it. And this isn't a new concept. I tell my kids all the time, think before you speak because you can't take your words back. You can apologize for them, but you can't ever take them back once they are heard or read. When I'm dealt a hand of a difficult conversation or one that I know could turn into a difficult conversation, I choose to pray that I am led to know how to respond, what to say, and I pray that my words are read with kindness. The times I don't succeed at this are the times I don't stop, pause, and pray about it. And you might be thinking, sure, I can be as nice as I want and they're still going to be hateful, mean, whatever it may be. And what am I going to say back to you? That's fine. They're choosing that. You don't have to choose that. Choose to be better. Better for you, better for your children or child, and better for your household. It's not easy. But one thing that is important to me is that no matter what happens through the years, I want to be able to say with full confidence that I consistently put my best foot forward and that my words didn't spread hate or cause trouble, unnecessary trouble or drama. Man, I am over any drama. I just want peace in my life, in every single aspect of my life. It's so draining when you have a peace disruptor, and some people thrive off of it. We are too old. We're too old for that crap. I don't want it. Okay, this may seem super random, switching gears here, but it's been on my mind with our whole move. When you sell your house, you're buying a house, making big life moves, big life changes, it's stressful. It's exciting, but it's stressful. And your finances are so very present during this time. Now, finance is a topic that's super intriguing to me and budgeting. High school Carly would be rolling her eyes so hard at me right now. But high school Carly got me here. I can probably say I've always been pretty good with money. I was a teenager who never wanted to ask her parents for money, so I chose to work. I was privileged enough to be able to work for my dad in high school. But asking for anything growing up just made me feel guilty, and I really don't know why. My parents weren't stingy, and they never made me feel bad or guilty for buying me anything. But I didn't ask for, like, unnecessary things. I mean, I gifts don't count, like birthdays and Christmas. But I wanted to go shopping all the time. Who doesn't? But I didn't ask to, the, to do that. If I had everything I needed, anything else, I wanted to work and be able to buy it myself, if that makes sense. So I think that's part of the reason I've always been responsible with money. Now, as an adult who no longer brings in income to our household and we rely solely on my husband, we have to budget. And we have to be strict with the budget. We have goals that we want to meet and places we want to be in the next five to ten years. So to get to that point, every day and every month matters. But you know what can throw a wrench in the budget? Kids. All these dang kids. And I'm just kidding. But seriously. Especially when it comes like down to the nitty gritty stuff. Stuff that isn't in your parenting plan like the gray area. 
And you know something that adds up is freaking haircuts. And I'm sorry, if you are asked to help pitch in on a haircut once every seven years and you come back with a crappy response, I have no words. And you know, I'm sure a haircut is insignificant compared to the millions of other things that co-parents request money for from the respective parties. But some parenting plans are not specific. So if you have one parent constantly paying for something, or even if the parenting plan does specify what is split and how it's split, nothing guarantees you will actually get the help. And that can blow your budget so fast. Of course, as a parent, you'll do anything for your kids to make sure they have what they need. It really sucks when you don't get the help. Or even better, when you do ask for help and you're belittled for it. There's just no winning with some people. So I'd love to know, for all of my money nerds out there, do you have a plan of action when you need help financially from the other parent and they say no? Or you ask and they make you feel like a tiny little breadcrumb POS? Also, side note, sports are so expensive these days and I am super thankful that both sides of our co-parenting slash parallel relationships split those costs. I signed the boys up for wrestling season this week, and that alone is well over $200. And then there's entry fees that you pay for every tournament, which we go every weekend for almost three months. And you have to pay an entry fee for yourself as the parent, wrestling shoes, headgear, backpacks, t-shirts, etc. And I'm for sure not complaining about the price we pay. Just saying the fact that it adds up really quick, especially when you have more than one child in sports. And I really feel for the parents out there who are doing it completely by themselves. So again, I'd love to hear how you handle financial issues with your co-parents. I've heard stories, you know, just from my friends in general. And we aren't even to the stage of driving or insurance or college or cell phones or any of that. It just stresses me out. On the same topic of money, I do want to say something because in our world today, we are constantly fed the latest and the greatest trends, the newest of the new, the jonesiest of the jones. If you have social media, I know you have felt the urge to be able to have that aesthetically pleasing home, aesthetically pleasing everything, a a freaking aesthetically pleasing fridge. I'm sorry. If you come over to my house and you open my fridge, do not expect it to look nice. I have four sets of grimy little hands constantly grabbing at stuff in my fridge and throwing crap in there. So, number one, it's not going to look pretty. And number two, I can't tell you the last time I actually cleaned it. But aesthetically pleasing and organized everything is all over social media. So is having a top-notch car, top-notch house, and the trendiest clothes. Well, this is what I have to remind myself. We do not know anyone's financial situation and someone that you may find yourself becoming envious of on social media could very well be drowning in credit card debt. You do not know their financial situation. And I'll tell you what, I would rather wear my same clothes I've had for years than have credit card debt again. And don't get me wrong, I love shopping and I do still buy new clothes, but don't make yourself go broke trying to achieve what you see on social media. My friend Macy and I talk about finances pretty frequently. Her family, her and her husband have two kids. And it's just insane how expensive life has gotten the last few years, especially groceries. Because groceries is one thing you can't cut back on. Everyone has to eat. Yeah, sure, you can buy name brand, 
but the fact that a package, I mean, a, the fact that a bag of spicy Doritos is $5 is freaking insane. So where do you cut back costs? Macy and her husband have this ongoing joke that um, Macy's going to drive a Crown Vic to save them money. And you know what, Macy? If you buy that Crown Vic, you're going to make that Crown Vic look good. It's going to be the cutest Crown Vic anyone's ever seen. And don't let anyone make fun of you for it. People make fun of my husband for driving his for driving his Honda Civic. But you know what? We paid for that puppy with cash. No car payment for him. And we just paid off my car. So we have absolutely zero car payments. And it is the best feeling in the world. But Macy and I say all the time that it just sucks having to budget money so hard because of the way that our society has gone the last few years. So if you have to find a way to feel less stressed every day and downgrade some area in your life, just do it. And if people make fun of you, they're probably jealous that they're not making the same decisions. So if you need to buy a Crown Vic or a Honda Civic, do it. Do it, do it, do it. So back to my point, don't make yourself go broke trying to keep up with the Joneses. Today's world is all about the buy now and pay later. And that is not playing the long game for your financial well-being. Everywhere you shop online now, there is the Affirm option or the, what is it, Sezzle? Uh, I think there's another one. But they're all, you can buy this now and spread it out into four payments. And you can just get yourself in a trap if you do that. It is better to just be able to pay it all at once. Drew and I took a Dave Ramsey class at our church two years ago, and we have really tried to live by his program. Now, we did have credit cards. Nothing major, but we had them. And once you realize that's not the smart way to spend your money, they're pretty easy to ditch. Of course, naturally, after paying off all of our credit cards, a few months after taking the class, our AC unit went out at the house, and we had to charge one of those babies up again. But Dave Ramsey does give you the tools you need to get that credit card paid off again and be able to live more freely. All this to say, life as a blended family is hard enough and comes with enough challenges along the way. One way we can help ourselves and our mental load is to try and make smart financial decisions. And let me just say, this is one area where the public school system absolutely fails and fails miserably. Every single person who goes through school is going to have to deal with money and deal with budgeting and deal with bills and credit and buying a home. Why are we hardly taught anything about it? It makes zero sense. I mean, I do have my own theories, but I won't go down that rabbit hole on here. At least not yet. So in conclusion, repetitive themes on some of these episodes. But you know what? Living this life, we always need constant reminders. I remind myself daily. And I hope I can be a positive reminder for all of you as well. So remember, there is power in the pause. Keep being the light in this world that your child needs. And I promise you, no one will dim the light in the way they see you when they look back on their childhood. Bio mom or bonus mom. It can all be rough sometimes on either side. But in the hard times, remember what's most important at the end of the day. And that's knowing that the children or child in your home feel safe, they feel loved, and that they know they belong. Every single child wants and needs security in their home. That's all I have for today. Please remember to always reach out to me if you need a listening ear. 
If you enjoy this very sporadic podcast, please leave me a rating and review if you feel led to do so. If you enjoy this podcast, I would be forever grateful. All right, that's all. I hope you have a great day.